David Gillick joins me on the line now. David, um, you're very welcome to News Talk Lunchtime this afternoon. Could you just outline for us what the Sunday Times revealed over the weekend? How are you? So basically what they've um, got their hands on is results of tests that have taken place since 2001 and 2012 where the actual readings and the blood readings of certain athletes have been called into question. Uh, and what should usually happen in this case is there should be follow-up tests, uh, but this never happened. So basically, um, there was a lot of irregular tests that were literally just brushed under the carpet and nothing was, was ever said. Um, now, some of these uh, athletes involved, there was no, no names named, but some of the athletes are, are medal winners potentially um, across this whole kind of period of time, 2001 to 20, 2012, uh, Olympics, Worlds, European medalists. And that's why it's quite startling because there's a whole raft of, of, of names in here, 800, um, and nothing has, nothing has ever been done. And this isn't the first time it's happened in athletics. So is the reputation of interna- international athletics, I mean, is it damaged beyond repair at this stage? I think um, you can repair it, but the, the biggest question now is what's going to happen next. Um, mm-hmm. like from, from a clean athlete's perspective, it, uh, I'm not overly surprised. Um, I, my career spans literally those years, uh, 10, 11 years, and we've always had kind of like, we heard rumours, we saw some crazy results, and we had our suspicions about various countries and the athletes of those countries. So I'm not overly surprised. The, the only thing that really, really does get me is the fact that the authorities knew and nothing was ever done. Um, and that's, that's where it's really, really despicable and outrageous when you think of um, the IAAF and WADA potentially knowing these results and not doing anything about them. Um, and I think that really damages the credibility of a sport. But I do say that, you know, it's now an opportunity. Um, we have a op- massive opportunity here to try and clean, our, clean up our sport, make it more credible to the wider public um, and really get tough on, on drugs. One of the aspects that I suppose was quite shocking is that Kenyan athletes were very heavily implicated in the scandal. And, of course, uh, people had thought that people had never really questioned this in the past. So that's quite disheartening, I can imagine. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there was a lot of studies done about why, why the Kenyan athletes are so strong in endurance, in endurance events. And it was put down to climate, altitude, and, and every reason bar <laughs> EPO, so to speak, uh, blood doping. Um, and what they did in, in, the, in the art, they've literally listed all the countries. Um, that have been um, implicated in, in these findings, and obviously Kenya's quite high up there. You've all, uh, you've also got Russia as well, and these are the countries where, to be honest, like we've always had a few issues. Um, you've had a few issues regards to suspicion as well. So it does doesn't it, like it's funny to say it, but at the same at the same time, I am like I am looking at this going, oh my god, like what 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 has been going on? But at the same time. Like we, we recently saw what was going on in Russia and it was a systematic doping and this is the, the startling thing and we really need to get tough on this. It's, 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 it's crazy. Um, during your career though, was there much said among fellow athletes in, in relation to either Kenyans or other athletes that you knew were doing so well? Did you have questions over them? Yeah, you did. Like, like I'm 400, 400 athletes, so kind of sprinting terms and the whole kind of blood doping EPO tends to be majority in endurance events but there is a little bit more coming down to the sprinting in sprint events so there was always a few athletes that we heard rumors about and like off the top of my head there was one one athlete in particular who there was a lot of suspicions about who was a medal winner over the course of my career um 
And you, you just wonder, you know, and that's the thing now that I've retired, I can actually sit down and go, what about him? What about him? Um, and then ask the question, did I did I really get beaten by these guys or were, were, was it the drugs that kind of beat me, you know? And that's very frustrating from a from a clean eyes perspective because you, you could go out, you could finish last in a race, you could finish fifth or sixth and think, you know what, I need to work harder to beat these guys. And you could put in another year of, of training, 11 months, six days a week, to try and beat these guys, but it's never going to happen. You're literally going to get on the track and you're beaten before you set foot in the blocks because these guys are they're enhanced by pharmaceutical means. And, you know, particularly a few Russian athletes have always kind of had suspicions about and even the way they would go about their events in, in the summer and in, in the season. Drug testers literally couldn't get into the country to test these athletes. And they'd always run fast times in Russia and then suddenly kind of a few would drop off, a few you would never hear of again. A few would come over and, and dominate on the global scene. And there was always suspicions around them. And, you know, now the facts are, are kind of stacking up against them. And is there any implications there for, theoretically, I suppose, for any medal upgrades for you then, seeing as you have competed against athletes who are suspected of doping? Um, well, I suppose when I look at kind of the medals, or the closest I've got to kind of global medals, I finished sixth in Berlin. So I suppose if I was fourth, then I'd really be looking at it. But there would have to be quite a lot of them to, uh, I suppose, to be implicated in this. But it's it's personally, it's not just about the medals. It's like I trained, like my whole career, I put in years of training, like I said, 11 months of the year, six days a week, to better my own performance. I want to know, like, if, if I finished sixth in the world, was it genuinely sixth in the world? Or did I actually come in fourth? Or did I, maybe I got a medal, maybe I got... I got third, and it would be nice to actually have that clarity of knowing, you know what, all that effort that I put in, I got a global medal, or I, I finished higher up, and, you know, it's it's a little bit wider than that as well, I, I do feel like if if you're an athlete that finished, say, fourth, uh, and you've been done out of a medal, potentially, it's not just you as an individual, yes, you've lost that moment where you could do a lap of honour with your with the national flag, and possibly stand on the podium and hear your national anthem, but it's the wider implications of that at home here in Ireland, that if you potentially have won a medal, what that does to the sport, what it does for you in your career, you know, possibly there, there's money earned, there's sponsors, but also, you know, promoting the sport and actually giving the belief to the next generation that you can do it and you can do it clean. I think that's been wiped away from a lot of athletes. And, you know, reading the article in the Times there yesterday, a lot of the people, the British athletes that were that had comments and were interviewed, I know a lot of them. And, um, you know, I completely feel the exact same way. They've been robbed. Just on the blood doping itself uh, in the Sunday Times says that it has drastic implications for the health of the athlete as well. How does it work exactly? Well, basically, like in the, in the article, there's two types. There's blood doping where you literally, you're extracting blood from your body, say, four weeks before you compete. And that's vacuum packed and it's stored. And then your body naturally produces, um, you know, more blood to kind of level it off. And then, say, a week before um, or the days leading up to, to the race, you'll inject that blood, your own blood, back into your body. So you have a massive boost of red blood cells. The red blood cells are what carry oxygen into the muscle. So basically, the more oxygen you can get into the muscle, the more you're going to be able to perform. You can perform longer, i.e. that's why endurance events, blood doping is huge. But also, EPO now has come into it where that's, it's producing the kidneys where, um, again, it stimulates the production of red blood cells. But it can be made like manufactured now as well. And in, in kind of medical terms, they'd use it to help, say, uh, um, anemia and things like that. But obviously, 
sports people have got their hands on it. They're injecting EPO into their bodies, and that, again, is producing uh, more red blood cells, which helps in endurance and performance. So we've seen a lot of that in, um, in the Tour de France. But it's also very, very dangerous because, again, what we saw in the Tour de France, when it first came in, a lot of athletes were just doing it themselves. They were literally just buying this stuff, injecting it in, and then there were some fatal examples. Um, it's very, it thins the blood, or sorry, it thickens the blood. So what you have to do is you have to maintain the uh, exercise to keep your blood thin. So we had a lot of stories of cyclists getting up in the middle of the night after doing a whole stage of the Tour de France and getting on the bike in the exercise or in their bedrooms to maintain like a thin blood. Otherwise, they've got a blood clot. Just finally, uh, David Gillick, uh, part of the commentary is that athletics is in the same diabolical state as cycling is now. Is, is that a fair comment or is that a bit extreme? Um, look, to be honest, I, I think it's fair. I think uh, what we've seen in, in, in recent months is um, it's pretty negative towards our sport, hugely. And I think the wider public are almost just going to go, oh, but sure, look, they're all on drugs. We've got our world championships coming up in a couple of weeks in Beijing. And a lot of people are just going to look at that and go, do you know what? Everyone there is on drugs. And I think that's unfair because not everyone is on drugs. But at the same time, I can understand why people would view it that way. We now have a huge opportunity to get tough. We have to get tough on drug cheats. And not only drug cheats, but also the federations. Because a lot of it is done at home. And that's where um, a lot of the testing is done on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of twofold. Yes, the IAAF have a lot to answer for over the last 10 years in relation to what they've been brushing under the carpet. But also the government bodies have to really start playing ball. And the only way I could see this changing is by having a law that can stand up in court. And also maybe it's the case that we need to start banning countries from competing. If they've got a really, really bad record, well then they can't compete. Okay, David Gillick, thanks for joining us on News Talk Lunchtime. No problem. Thank you. Thank you.